capture clusters of information as they move through the computer. What did they look like? Ships, motorcycles. Were the circuits like freeways? I kept dreaming of a world I thought I'd never see. And then, one day, I got in. Hey there, everybody. Michael's going to be here in a minute. We are on the air, and we have a new kind of program for you tonight. We've been considering, we've been kind of downers, you know, starting off every show with fear and panic, and uh, we want to turn over a new leaf. We do. We do want to turn over a new leaf. We want to be positive and happy, especially since it is so sunny and warm and pleasant outside. The day after Easter and all. Exactly. The list really just sort of goes on and on. There are even bunny sightings, I hear. Well, that is a, a very popular, popular rumor, at the very least. And we are here to continue that trend. Yes. We are here to say that Bunnies and Rainbows is a new segment of our show. That is going to con- counteract all the fear and panic. Fear and that panic we have be had. gone. Exactly. We do not like that. It's spring. And in that vein, we are going to play a meditative piece for you to feel what it should be like in your life. Assuming, of course, that our speakers would ever play. Because technology... Well, not the speakers, the actual gongs. The actual... No, there, there, there's, there's technology involved. There's always technology involved when things don't or work. Wait, wait, we're going tur- back and turning the volume knob on the gong. We don't want fear and panic. I keep forget, forgetting that. <laughs> <laughs> we want, it's just we want happiness automaton. and joy. Yes. Shanti. And there. now you're in the right frame of mind. Now we're all in the, s- the right frame of mind. And it's a good thing that we are, because Google has announced what their mission really is. Yes, they've finally come out. It's true. We've had many a segment here on the aforementioned ill-fated fear and panic that related to many of the seemingly sinister motives that companies on this planet have had, harvesting your personal information as if they were organs and you were in a bathtub, compiling that in giant databases and distributing it in nefarious ways. As it turns out, there's a completely different explanation for all of this. It's really an an extremely laudable one. It is. Google has announced, as of today, that their super-secret plan as part of their do-no-evil strategy, which is part of their corporate plan, is that they're actually helping you to plan for your end-of-life scenario. When you start losing your mind, Google will be there to save you. They'll have the information that you need Google or that is your family needs. your mental safety net. You don't need to remember where your keys are. You don't need to remember anything, in fact. Google will remember it for you. It's all on file. It is. So anytime that you... Fall down any time that you forget your credit card information, turn the stove on, turn the stove off. All of that is going to be harvested by Google well before that time so that they know what to do with that information. Everything you give Google is for your own good. So just don't worry. Don't worry at all. And and little did you know, little did you know that other things of a similar nature, for example, we have talked about ratters on the show. Yeah. 
Ratters are seemingly, again, terrifying, it's right? It's really scary. Individuals who spend their time finding ways to activate your webcam, activate your microphone, track everything you do online, record it in giant video databases. Why are they doing this? And, and look at you. Yes. And, and the explanation was always, well, they just want to spy. Which, yeah. Which, you know, considering how boring our lives is, seem, does seem far-fetched. When They're do-batters. Right. Maybe, though, maybe, though, the truth is more astounding than that and makes more sense at the same time. I think that's a good way to put it. It's astounding and, you know, it really restores your faith. Exactly. So these swatters, or these ratters, I should say, I'm getting my turds yes. all mixed up. We'll get to swatters later. We will. They are all, well, I would think of them as the OnStar for <laughs> your life. You have OnStar in your car, and this is just part of a super secret initiative to inspire yet another safety net. If you fall down in front of your computer, if you, say, break a leg right before you get on stage, for example, if you are using your toaster in the bathtub, as I do every morning, because nothing is as fine as a crispy piece of toast. Especially when you've got your feet in the water. Exactly. Then you drop the toaster in, and no one is around. I mean, obviously, you're in the bathroom. What do you do? Nothing. You're getting electrocuted. But the person spying at you on your iPhone on or on camera. your laptop just calls the police like oh that. Oh, my Boom. gosh. Look at what just happened. Call 911. Another way you might want to think of this is as the black box to your life. That's when right. you crash, they're there to know what happened. Yes, at, at least the after least. the fact. Swatters are... <laughs> <laughs> hey, information is valuable for someone at some point. Your, your family member... Maybe it's for your legal crew. <laughs> will really care. Black box, on star. It, it all melds together in one aura of happiness and interpersonal support. Yes. And Speaking of interpersonal support, we can also talk about Apple's initiatives in this field in terms of supporting the entire planet. Apple stuff, recently announced their uh, green initiatives, well, I should say their environmental milestones for 2012. And as part of that, in the prior year, in 2011 and in 2010, their renewable energy use was at 30%. Mm-hmm. And as of 2012, their renewable energy use is at 75% right. for corporate Apple. 75% of corporate Apple in the United States is powered entirely by renewable energy. And by renewable, we don't mean nuclear and we don't mean gas and we don't mean coal and mm-hmm. we don't mean things that burn and that you mine. Carbon neutral. Right. We mean uh, solar Wind and geothermal. And also they're doing it by reducing their energy consumption by 30%. This is true. I, I, that's actually a really it's significant part, part to, to know that 30% of that number, which is huge, comes as an intensive process of increasing efficiency across the board and all of the corporate campuses across the United States. It's pretty amazing to think about a company this, this size taking such substantial step starts becoming actually net zero. Well, if you think about it, they're committed to, what is it, by 2050, I think the number was, or 2020? I can't even remember. Mm. They're committed to within... I would put it twenty something. Twenty, yeah, twenty something. When they're twenty something, we're all twenty something at some point. It's actually twenty twenty. 
when they're committed, they are committed to having a net zero energy impact within the United States. So they're going to be powered entirely by renewable energy. And there are not very many companies that are anywhere near that goal. Google is at 30% right now. They have the same goal. Microsoft does too. It's worth noting Apple's not the only one who Mm -hmm. is trying to move in that direction. Fair is fair. Exactly. But they have uh, recently made really giant leaps and bounds. And not only in their corporate campuses, but also in their products. The amount of energy that their products use is is a fraction of, uh, let's say, an incandescent bulb. Mm-hmm. A Mac Mini or one of their laptops uses an eighth of the same energy. And uh, what what's the numbers, Paul? We've got, I've got, I believe, forty. 60-watt incandescent bulb produces 40 grams of CO2 emissions per hour of product use. And a Mac Mini produces 6.9. And this is down by 50% from 2009, their 2009 products, since they made a commitment to reduce their emissions, which as in their metric is calculated also by energy use. Never mind the iPad Mini or the Apple TV, which uses 1.4, or of course your iPhone, which uses 1.1. So all of these devices are plummeting in their energy use, and Apple has been really aggressive about it. It's awesome. Which it is. They've, they've, they've done some really great things in that regard. Uh, you know, th- that's not the only good thing they're doing, of course. They're also working on tracking what you do indoors. Because they would like to be able to say, hey, you're walking in an airport, and there's a Cinnabon right up ahead, and a little thing pops up. And the reason we know this is because Apple just bought an indoor mapping app from a startup called Wi-Fi Slam. And Wi-Fi Slam specialized in tracking what you're doing indoors. You can say, walk up to a Macy's display and hold up your phone and it will show you an ad, a little, just a pop-up message saying, hey, these jeans are for sale right now. You can then move around the corner, just down the street perhaps, and it will say, hey, there are free iPhone 5s at the Apple store. Whatever, Whatever it is. Or iPhone 7s. Or iPhone 7s. Yes, we'll they, get to that well, later. Well, we'll get to that in a second. But they, it uses Wi-Fi technology, of course, that's a very fancy word, to triangulate where someone is at any given moment. And by mapping each wireless access point in a given area, so the signal that's coming out, it uses that to try and pinpoint with even greater precision where exactly you are. So you already have this in your iPhone now to a degree. If you have Wi-Fi turned off on your iPhone and you're trying to use the Maps application, it will just resort to your cellular data and GPS, but it will also pop up a message and say, hey, turn on Wi-Fi and we'll give you greater accuracy. This applies on the road and on the highway. It applies in downtown, you know, you're navigating streets, wherever it is. But now they're going to take this a step further. They will actually be able to track you step by step. Each foot you move within a building, Apple will know exactly where Three you are. Three paces, turn left. You need directions or terminal change? Doesn't Hot cross buns. That's fine. They can, ta- they can tell you, you have to get down in your seat in the airplane five feet from now. Please turn left. Can you imagine everyone will just be able to look at their iPhones as they get on the plane and go exactly where they need to go? Now, I actually had an experience not exactly like that, but I was in San Francisco recently and just by coincidence got to go to the Asian Museum of Art, mm-hmm. and they had... Uh, the only showing of the terracotta figurines from China on display there. Wow. And they had, it was quite magnificent, even in itself. But they had these little stations around the exhibit where you could point your iPhone at, the, at a, uh, a sign, and it would recognize where you were. 
and it would show on the screen a three-dimensional representation of one of the um, figurines painted in full color. It just was, if you stood up with your phone? Just just being in the vicinity of that, uh, I don't know what activated it, but there was an app that you downloaded when, when you're in the museum, free app, and it coordinated with these stations around the exhibit hall. And this was where? This was in San Francisco. Oh, I thought you were going to say art. China. Huh, wow, that's really impressive. Yeah. Well, they're going to take that to a whole new level, I guess. I mean, it also that may have worked on detecting a proximity to a specific station. So mm-hmm. it would know how close the iPhone was to point A to point B, which would, right. would certainly lend itself to what Apple is trying to do. But they um it they activated video representations of some of the technologies used. Wow. And they had yeah, really dramatic representations that would be difficult to do in a regular display. There are a number of things that are done by clever individuals with the apps available on the phone or mobile devices in general that often sort of fall through the cracks because they're not applications that we're completely familiar with or that would hit mass market use necessarily unless you're there. That's a really cool one. There's also one in China uh, that is th- this isn't really related to being tracked foot by foot so much but there are there's a giant statue of buddha in china mm-hmm. and um the gradual progression or not even so gradual the the many many thousands if not millions of people who move through that chamber and their breathing and so forth has been slowly eating away at this figurine mm. it's not a figurine is the wrong word this massive statue mm-hmm. over over the years so they're trying to seal off the tunnel to preserve it. Hmm. But they're also spending a huge amount of time right now to scan it every little bit, not mm-hmm. just the, the general three-dimensional representation on a computer. That can be done really easily. But they are scanning every pockmark, every crevice, mm. the entire area to an incredible level of detail. It's a multi-year ongoing project. So that when they're done, they'll be able to seal this off, and then they'll be able to represent this to someone on their iPad or on their iPhone mm-hmm. with complete detail. Wow. And you can hold it up and navigate around a different room, presumably, and try and view what would have been in the actual right. room. Right, wow. So it's not the same as being there, but it's pretty cool they're putting in the effort to, to both preserve this and, and provide some level of interaction. Well, these um, these representations that were activated on the iPhone at the exhibit in San Francisco were like holograms. You know, you, you could look at them from different sides and see uh, all different angles in full color they could they had um they had gotten the chemical analysis of the remnants of pigment and certain parts of it so they had a a very good idea of how these things were were painted and how they looked um you know uh, over it was a 2300 years ago that sounds really Phenomenal. really remarkable almost as remarkable or perhaps even a little bit more remarkable than the new rumors of the iPhone 7 Yes, and it's that th- there have been some concrete information released. It leapfrogs the iPhone six, which of course there have been rumors about that for now. Things but that's have been changing so quickly. That could almost be called the iPhone five S. It's yeah. just whatever they've they've tacked on some faster features, sharper screen, whatever. The iPhone seven apparently is where it's going to be at. That's really the hardcore this stuff. Is where things are happening. And there's a, there's a number of of features that have been circulating within Apple that they're working on that are really really quite remarkable when you start thinking about it. And it hooks in with some of our our previous shows when we've talked about digital photography. 
It's true. It does. And, and Apple has made leaps and bounds with their iPhone camera over the years, as we all know. It's gone from being a passable camera to capture part of a moment to being something that really rep- replaces a point-and-shoot. Mm-hmm. The iPhone 5 camera is remarkable. You could, For the most part, it is better than many $200 point-and-shoots that people buy, and it's always on you. So that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And Apple wants to take this another step. They've recognized the popularity. They've, of course, been working on improving their camera. But as, as is always the case, Apple has leapfrogged the competition and cut them off the pass. And the new camera in the iPhone 7 actually scratches on the lens. It's built in right into the lens. You don't need to go to Instagram anymore. No, no. It's got scratches in the lens. It's got leaks in the lens aperture as well to create lens flares. And every photo you take only occurs in sepia. Right. Automatically. And the edges are all pre-torn. Everything. You... Every phone you take with the iPhone 7 is going to be a bad photo from the 1970s with no effort on your part. A bad photo taken by your four-year-old. Right. It's fantastic. Think, think of all the effort it's Apple brilliant. is reducing. It's Every photo you really post brilliant. on Facebook, bam, from the iPhone 7, no problems. All the artistry. Immediately. Yes, done exactly. Immediately. So this is very exciting, of course, but that's not the only thing they're doing. We can't wait. They're, they've got other technology also involved with the camera that is equally remarkable, and that is that, as you know, the iPhone right now has a v- variety of sensors. It's got a proximity sensor. If you yeah. hold it up to your face, it turns off its screen. Maybe you didn't know that, but that's mm. really cool. Well, now they're mm-hmm. introducing sensors in the camera that anytime you're sitting down at a meal or anytime you're moving the camera around... A meal anywhere. Yeah, you're, it is going to detect the plates and the shape of the food, and it is going to know that you're eating a meal. Yeah. And because of this, what do we all do when we're eating food? We post it to Facebook. Of course. course. So, bam, you could be texting at the restaurant, as we all do, of course, and having a fun communication with your significant other who's across the table from you on on messages. The camera is automatically activated. And all of these beautiful food items that are getting served in Chili's or Red Robin or wherever is getting uploaded to Facebook instantaneously. Yeah. You don't even have to think about it. You don't have to spend the time sending it to Facebook. It's done. That is also going to really change my life. Yeah. Almost. Think of the time. Think of the minutes we'll save. Uh, Man, think of all the food pictures I'll get to see. I scour Facebook for food pictures, I have to tell you. Every friend that I make on Facebook, it's because I'm hoping they will post more food pictures than the last person. Yes. I want to know everything they're eating. Of course. Of course. I mean, isn't eat what you eat? You are what you eat, right? Well, I really know somebody. some of my friends, I suppose. (laughs) 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 That's the case. Moving on. <laughs> Do we have to? Well, we talk about food and photographs all night. We, I, we could, as fascinating a subject <laughs> as it is, but let's all remember the real thing that the iPhone 4S introduced that had people worried about it replacing girlfriends around the world with Siri. <laughs> and I had a, many a conversation at the time. With <laughs> many said, a source of jealousy. Indeed. Yes. Who, with people who said, wow, this is going to be a surrogate relationship for people. You talk to her more than you talk to me. Yeah. And, and of course, you know, I don't, I don't think that that ever really came to pass, I have to say. I don't know anyone who really feels that way about Siri. But I think Apple is actually intent on changing that. They got it. Because I think they've gotten the message that Siri is... is 
cute in her own way, and she's certainly accommodating. True. But that's not real. I mean, <laughs> please. Really. Um, so now she's going to have If we're going to take this to another human element, we need to add personality to Siri. Yes. And Apple has recognized and that. Personalities have edges. Announcing on the so iPhone smooth. 7, passive-aggressive Siri. Passive-aggressive Siri is going to take everything you say and is going to add that extra human touch just so you know that you are not alone. Yes, and that you're talking to someone that has feelings. As are we As are we all. And personality <laughs> with a capital P. Paul, what are some of the features? What are some of the things we can expect different about new Siri? Well, she's going to have the familiar voice, but... She's not going to answer questions just, you know, willy-nilly, you know, like you might want them. She's going to be a lot more interesting. And what, what's, a con- what's a typical conversation we could expect to have? Well, in the past, you'd ask Siri for directions to, you know, a restaurant or something, and she would give you a selection. Would you like me to check the web on local Italian restaurants? True. No problem. True, true. And now we get... A, a variety of other things which are also not working. We actually have a phenomenal representation of Siri here in the studio, which Siri is, is there we go. Here we go. Let's fire that up. Unlock Siri, Paul. <laughs> I can yeah. almost hear it. We can, can almost hear it. Let's, let's crank up the volume on that a little bit more. Pump up the volume. <laughs> and one more time, Siri, please speak to us. Mm, that's it's not quite audible. It may not be. It's Maybe tr- if we can just unplug it and hold it to the microphone. Oh, that's that's a definite thought. I like how our technology show always has really what can only be described as technological as <laughs> failures. <laughs> We're probably the best at it. Here we go. Well, that's just to show that we're real people. Oh, that sounds a a lot better outside of the fact that that's definitely passive-aggressive. That's when you ask, where's the local McDonald's? Could we have that again? Yes. Well, okay, one more time. One more time. Asking for a restaurant. Siri, Siri. where's the closest McDonald's? (laughs) Are you sure your waistline can handle (laughs) that? Okay. What else could we ask her? Well, let's test this. Let's ask for directions. Paul, you pick a pick please, a subject. Can you, well, just general directions. Mm-hmm. How about where do I go for something? Yeah, let's let's say how can I find the nearest gas station? Okay, that would be good. I can't believe you're lost again. Yes, that's, that's very real. It is. Yes, I yes. have that conversation every day. If you dial a number, what would you say? Let's say we all want to call Sherry. We're calling Sherry right now. I really don't think she wants to hear from you at this hour. Yes, that that could be real. It could. And it could be good advice. <laughs> Instead of just giving you the information that you foolishly asked for, she's going to talk some sense into you. That's the new Siri. So I'm going to try and simulate something useful so that I do every day with Siri. But sometimes there is a give and a take. There is. It's true. A dialogue. So a very common thing you might do with Siri right now is try and ask for an appointment for example. So I'm just going to hold down the button. And Siri, do I have any appointments today? I thought you knew. No, that's why I'm, that's why I'm asking you. And Siri, that's why I'm asking you. 
I've noticed sometimes you have to ask Siri more than once. Fine. I was only joking. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well do I? Do I have any appointments? And... Didn't know you meant now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she really does kind of have an it, ad. It's true. Okay, okay, okay. Here we go. We can, we can, we can get this out of her. And... No, I just want to know if I have any appointments at all. Fine, whatever. <laughs> that's you know that's not useful actually. I'm not sure I like this. I'm 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 moving on to but something else. But it's real. Yeah, but you know that's the problem Maybe with technology today, Paul. I have to say is that it's a little too real. Where I, I want to move back to when computers served us, when all you had to do was turn it on, you got a smiley face that said "Welcome to Macintosh," and then it crashed because you could just go outside <laughs> and enjoy the rest of your life then. Now we have applications. You could give up on the whole thing for your hands it in the just, air. It wasn't like this, and go this, have lunch. This terrible close approximation. <laughs> <laughs> I wish the iPhone Seven was not real, but I'm afraid that it is. It's coming. Mm-hmm. But Apple, of course, isn't the only one working on the latest and greatest technology. Google is working on whatever it can too. And as you may or may not be aware, Google announced several new products today. One of which is the Google Nose. Yes, this is good. And and Google does know, apparently. Google knows that we can currently search in text, we can search in audio, we can search videos, we can search in any number of ways, but we can't search for things that we can't see. We're looking at other senses. Indeed. Google knows, now available on your nearest device, you just tap it and you can hold it up and using the latest and greatest smell-o-vision technology... <laughs> They can go ahead and interpret all those molecules and all those scents, and they are going to analyze that with their vast library of scents that is currently available online. Say, wet dog, aggressive, frisky, with a hint of musk. Boom. Yeah. Just like that. No problem. And uh, one of the videos we saw, actually, uh, promotional videos, showed that the the device will actually be able to sim- synthesize smells, uh, an illusion of smell. Yeah, and apparently they real. do this with a combination of the fans in your computer with the heat they generate mm-hmm. and specific sonic frequencies from the speakers. Which activates some molecular... Yeah, it, it, it agitates the molecules in front of yeah. your computer. It's really quite remarkable. You should check it out. If you don't believe me, you can just Google Google Knows. Yeah. And you can search for something and say, ah, that's what a campfire smells like. I always wondered why diesel smell that smell that that way right it's really it's you know we've, we've had this desire for that particular piece of 3d technology since the 1950s and they're making it real and what is that smell that i can't quite identify right you know you just walk by a building and it smells really good and you know it'll say uh, that's your cleaners. you should really check and then siri ch- chimes in yeah. and says you he should really re- needs a bath <laughs> <laughs> Again, I keep thinking that where we're going... Well, wait, wait, wait. We're trying to keep it on the Sunshine and Bunnies theme. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Siri, for providing it to useful us. life advice. Yes, we, we did need that. Well, that is not the end of this or many other things. But we are going to be back in uh, a few moments. Before we start tuning out, I want to note that you can, of course, get in touch with us yes. and provide us with information or questions that you might find valuable. I know this has all been valuable for you. But you can text 8417368 with your phone number so we can call you and you can call us, so on and so forth. Or uh, text us at UG1CENT. Or we'll UG1RENT. Also that. We'll be right back. 
You're listening to Radio Free Palmer, KVRF 89.5 on your FM dial. If you'd like to get involved with Radio Free Palmer, contact us at RadioFreePalmer.org. This is your chance to invent community radio in Sutton, Butte, Chickaloon, and the surrounding areas. Well, I don't know what I'm looking for, but I know that I just want to look some more. And I won't be satisfied till there's nothing left that I haven't tried. For some people it's an easy choice, but for me there's a devil and an angel's voice. Well, I don't know what I am looking for, but I know that I just want to look some Hey there, everybody. We're back, and we've got some more features from the iPhone 7 to share with you. Well, actually, this is a app that is being introduced, ah, yes. I should note. And it, it, it uses some of the, the, the very new and useful features available on the iPhone 7, but I think that you could probably even get this for your regular iPhone. Yeah. What's it, what is it, Paul? I, I wouldn't imagine. I, I don't know if it's made for that this model now or not. Is it? Well, I the, the manufacturers weren't clear on their website. They just specify that it is uh, u- utilizes these new features, and so similar to an app that uses, say, the Retina display. You might have heard about that. Yeah. You can get any number of apps to support the Retina display, and so they're being vague. So maybe that's because this is still in the pre-release stage, and and they're working on it. But the app is called iPitch. Yeah. And it solves a problem that many of us have had, namely that we don't know how well we pitch. Right. No. Or I the mean, speed. The of speed, our pitch. indeed. I, you know, I've always suspected that I have a pretty good pitch personally myself. Every time I throw it, it hits the ground. So, so yeah. what is it? There's a, there's a an act. A component of the iPhone. Well, it, the iPitch harnesses a number of really high-tech features already found in the iPhone and new ones that are coming down the pike. But some of the ones we know ones are the accelerometer, yep. which detects how fast it's moving. That is the accelerometer in action right there that lets you use a whip on your iPhone. Paul's favorite feature. None of us are entirely sure why or what that <laughs> means. But it, there's the accelerometer. There's, of course, a proximity sensor. There's a gyroscope that shows it where it's moving in relation to itself. There's the GPS, which lets it track itself, too. There's, of course, the new Wi-Fi tracking features that Apple is working on where it can track you foot by foot or the iPhone foot by foot. So iPhones don't have feet. No, but it's going to be traveling many feet per hour when you use the iPitch. That's for sure. Wind it on up. Feet per second. Feet per second. That's true. Wind it on now. So you wind up. Mm-hmm. And you pitch that sucker as fast and as fast hard. as hard as you can. 
That is the app of the this week. One I'm thing, say it right there's now. one thing you have to, to make sure that you do, though. What's that? You need to sync the device. Oh, right. Yep. Make sure that it's synchronizing with your iPhone, other iPhone, iPad, or Mac, because afterwards you might not be able to get your actual statistics there's, out. There's likely to be an impact, whether it's a gravel driveway or a wall. They just mentioned, they don't really mention anything about that. They just say that you want to make sure you can retrieve your data elsewhere. Just pitch that Possibly sucker. through the iCloud, even. And this app is free. That's the great news about it. It's sponsored by AT&T. And, in fact, in a brief April uh, promotion they've got going on, they're going to take $10 off for every time that you use the app. Awesome. Yeah, it is. Well, just think about it. You know, you could you could launch it with a wrist rocket, you know, and see how fast There's that goes. There's any number of applications. You could know, launch it on a, on a little uh, SD's rocket. Tie it, tie it to a boat when you need to know how fast your boat travels. Mm-hmm. Tie it to your anchor. Tie it to your trebuchet. Tie it to your bottle rocket. I mean, there's almost an unlimited yeah. variety of things yeah. that you could do. And so I pitch. And and who's sponsoring this free app? AT and T. AT and T. Of course. Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, AT and T is known for their many uh, their humanitarian sponsorships. Yes. It, it's true. And the other app of the week that I want to mention is Cash Simple. Some of you may or may not have heard of Simple Banking. Simple Banking is a banking service that's all online. It doesn't have any branches, although it lets you use ATMs from across the country. And they specialize in really excellent customer service. And just now, they've had only way you've been able to deposit money to Simple Banking is by doing a wire to them. Mm. Or you had to turn your money to money orders and then deposit that using a photo check deposit if you really wanted to. Well, they, in their goal of creating a better banking service than ever before, have come up with a new Cash Simple program. Cash Simple is the easiest way to keep your cash in order. All you have to do is take your stack of cash, U.S. dollars only at this point, and domination from lowest to highest, and then take pictures of it with your iPhone. Yeah. Take pictures of the $1 bill, the $2 bill, the $3 bill, so on and so forth. Each bill individually? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm afraid you have to. Mm-hmm. But then you just tap deposit cash in your activity screen, and boom, it gets deposited into your bank account. <laughs> it's really remarkable. It's the iPhone taken to the latest and greatest <laughs> latest and greatest application you could possibly imagine. This app is wildly popular currently. It is the number one download on the App Store. Can you go the other direction is my question. In which direction is that? To print money? Well, you know, that I haven't I haven't se- I think that'd be an introduction from HP or Epson and mm. I can only imagine that that won't be far behind. As you print money like gets it. removed from your bank account or or not, you know, mm-hmm. it, it all depends on on what what you really need to know or do. So those are some of the really exciting technology products coming right down the pike at any minute. I would like to provide you with a tip of the week, actually. And tip of the week is something that we like to discuss here every week, as you might have guessed. And in this case, it has to do with my extreme hatred of fax machines Mm. and faxes in general. They still exist. Well, right. And why? Really? Why do faxes exist? Nobody knows. You you have to scan it. It eats it. It Mm -hmm. clunks. It chunks. On the other end, it spits out some blurry, nasty Xerox image that barely bears a resemblance to the original. Or you get the, the you know, the... The ominous did not transcribe. Method. That is really the worst part about sending faxes. You and you dial it in, and there's a tiny little black and white yep. screen, and you go beep, and you just wait, and you hope, and you hope, and you pray <laughs> that you'll actually even get a message as to whether or not it's successful, because you don't know, and you inevitably call the person to find out if they got your right. fax. 
So faxes are bad. I think we can all get on that table. Well, they're at the very least primitive. Yes. But every Maybe at once, the very best. At the primitive. very best, they're primitive. And nevertheless, people continue to use to insist faxes. Mm-hmm. And every once in a while, you're going to have to set up a fax machine. Unfortunate, but true. And part of the problem with setting up fax machines, again, as we just mentioned, we have no idea if it works or not. You can feed in your fax, and it might just be off dancing somewhere in the phone wires for the rest of eternity, or yeah. maybe went to the IRS, Showing or maybe up it didn't. in somebody else's <laughs> inbox. Which is where we get it to uh, the most excellent website of the week, which is testyourfax.com. And you can actually dial a toll-free phone number, 888 888- Eight seven one six five five, and you will send your fax to this excellent location that will take your fax and it doesn't print it out on the other end. It puts it on a website for the world to see. You can go ahead and visit this website at any point that you want, and you will actually. You, that's how you test it. You see if the fax actually shows up or not, and then everyone else's faxes are there too. So you could try to fax something interesting. They fax. They feature the interesting facts of the week actually. <laughs> They do. I bet they have some doozies. They do. They, they, they probably do. I, I honestly can't say for sure. And I, sh- I need to amend the address. It's actually called factoy.net. And they call themselves Tester Faxed. Hence my error. I do apologize. Factoy.net. I use this thing on an unfortunate biweekly basis where I'm setting up someone's fax machine. Goodness, really? That often? Yeah. Yeah. Well, everyone, here's the other thing fax machines are. Kind of like, what would be the right term? They're, they're like the CD drive in your laptop. They're like the floppy drive in your iMac. They're like the cr- hand crank in your car. Back in the day when they started getting phased out, people just they needed them as a security blanket. And everyone who sets up a fax machine wants to set up their fax. I, I, I don't know. What can I say? They're I, just thinking maybe someday I'll need this. It's Yeah, it's entirely possible. I want to mention one more app of the week. Good. Mm-hmm. And the app of the week that I want to mention in this case is called Haiku, mm. which plays in with our chimes earlier. Mm-hmm. It's very mm-hmm. pleasant. Have you ever had to make a presentation? Yes. Have you ever had to make a presentation in five minutes? No. No. But let's say you did. Let's say you had to go to sleep at midnight, and we've all probably set up... You mean like a visual? Yeah. Visual Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we needed to make a presentation in a short period of time. And we've talked about Prezi before, which makes it really easy to make striking visual presentations. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic. But Haiku is an app on the iPad that doesn't let you really dictate very much of what goes on. You give it words that you want to say. And you can use the word to describe your slide, or you can use actual words on your slide that you're going to talk about. So say, simple, and then you might have something to say about that. And it takes your words, and it goes out, and it searches a free database of images on the Internet. Mm. Only images that are not protected by copyright, so you're legally allowed to use them. And it pulls those images down automatically using the words you've used in your slide. Please Whether tell me it's not going to make inspirational Quotes and, and posters. Out Courage. Of it's oh. <laughs> oh no. Mistake. Oh, oh no. Remember, you might just be serving as a warning to others. Right. Yes, exactly. I it will them. do all of that: sinking ships, flying eagles, the yes. whole nine yards. It's really quite amazing. I tested this last night before I was going to bed, and it took me 
five minutes to make a visually stunning presentation. And the best part that I realized is that it forces you to actually use good presentation techniques. We're all always far too tempted to cram information onto too the slide. Too much text. Yeah. Yeah. And when you're instead forced to think about words that would possibly pull in the images you want or describe the emotions mm-hmm. you feel, all of a sudden, I was having a slideshow where I could say, simplicity, boom, 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 here's what this means. Hmm. You know, reducing your friction. Okay, here's what I mean by that. So I was doing the presenting, at least in my mind, and it was going really well in my mind, and the audience loved it in my mind. You'd be amazed. But th- at the same time, the presentation looked great. It took five minutes. Yeah. Sounds intriguing. And it that's free too. Haiku Excellent. Is the app. Haiku, huh? Almost as good as iPitch. Hmm. But no. <laughs> I like iPitch, really. It, well, uh, who wouldn't? And yeah. that ties into a, another very useful scenario that we're going to talk about. And that is that in the 19, early 1980s, the Apple II was at the ascendancy of its power. Hmm. The Apple II was pervasive in schools across the country. Mm-hmm. It was the personal computers, late 1970s, early 1980s, that this was true. So Apple was under a lot of pressure to introduce the next great thing, which at the time was the Apple III. Now, the Apple III, as it turns out, had a slight flaw in that all of the components in the Apple III were loose. They shipped with a defect where they, the chips were not seated all the way in the motherboard. Right. Right. So Apple had a recommendation about how you would fix this. The official Apple manual states that if you suffer issues with your Apple III freezing or not booting... Shake the baby? Well, you drop the baby. (laughs) (laughs) I'm disturbed that you laughed so much. Again, official Apple manually... Manual. Take the Apple III, hold it above your desk, two or three feet, and let go. Try to boot the Apple III. Upon failure to boot, repeat procedure until successful. I am not making this up. The punishment will continue until the morale improves. Yes. Precisely. Precisely. It shows you how hardcore Apple was. Oh, man. So I feel that the eye pitch plays into that. I feel that that is going to be almost certainly an undiscovered way to get your iPhone in much better working <laughs> condition. Because if you give it a little talking to, <laughs> just fling the thing, just throw it at the well, wall yeah. as hard as you can. And yeah, you, know, you can get the the speed, the velocity, the you know maybe there's a G force, a deceleration factor. <laughs> there almost certainly is. There must be. Yeah. I, I mean, I, how could they have done the 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 velocity indicator without a deceleration indicator. One last news item for us this week. And by the way, we would like to remind you that you can call in at any time. And I realize that we're doing such a great job of informing you of things that you did not know before that maybe you're just enraptured. But we would like to hear from you. Maybe you have a question. Maybe you have a comment. You can text us at 8417368. You can email us at help at outofajam.net. You can comment on Facebook, facebook.com slash outofajam. Your methods of communication are almost limitless. Please, please. Oh, wow. Uh, speak oh, of the devil. fantastic. That would be a phone call right there. Let's go ahead and get this caller on the air. Hi, you are on the air. Oh, good. It's nice to be on the air. This is Lee calling. Lee, thank you for calling. Well, I was going to call earlier, 
earlier, but I decided to wait till I got home and get settled in, and you got to finish talking about the iPhone 7. But anyway, um, have you heard of the term augmented reality? I have heard of the term augmented reality. It's true. It's kind of like Google knows, but more, more, more present, so to speak. Well, the things you were talking about early, like the Macy's ad where you hold the phone up and you get information from your phone by looking at it, Mm-hmm. That's augmented reality. Yes. Or what Paul was talking about in the museum. Okay. So, and um, at ASTI, Alaska Society for Technology and Education Conference this year, they had a, a lot of stuff on augmented reality. And I could show you guys this really cool 3D um, um, human body that you can sort of look at and look mm. at the different layers. You just put your phone over with this app over the... So you hold paper. up the phone to a human being and you see their different layers? Yeah, and you can choose them all. It's really cool. And then you can rotate it and turn it upside down. And oh, that sounds like a scandal in the making. But that is that is very impressive. And who's making this? Uh, it's Anatomy 3D is the app, and I don't remember who's making it. But you need the app, and then you need the, the target. Like what <laughs> Paul was seeing at the, um, at the museum, that, you know, augmented reality is either place-based, you know, you go to a certain geographical spot right. and, and you see it, or it's there's an object or a shape or a target, and Paul was seeing targets. Yeah. So at ASTI, they had a contest, which I did not participate in, that they built these little augmented reality targets all around that talked about the various paintings about Captain Cook mm. in the Captain Cook Hotel. Oh, fantastic. Wow. Yeah. And they used, and I was, it might be the same app that they used at the museum park. I wonder, yeah. It was Layar, L-A-Y-A-R, hmm. is the app, except I don't think that th- that one did hologram things, um, although the, the 3D one does. It had, do. yeah, it had um, video clips and animation. And yeah, you can do that. Basically, it's saying go to this website and serve this information up because this person is here. Hmm. And that's, you know, that's how you build it. And you can actually, I think the Layar building app is either free or not very expensive either. So you can build a little augmented reality thing and then, you know, get with the Layar building thing and then go with your Layar app and look at it. That's a great tip. We'll need to look into that. I figured you guys would be kind of intrigued by it. Yeah. And and I'll have to put my um, Anatomy 3D target back in my purse so I can show you guys next time I see you. We can probably look up the the Asian Museum of Art, and maybe there's some information about what they used for that one. Yeah, yeah, but there's like two or three or four different um, augmented reality programs that were featured at ASTI. Um, one of them, Jason Oler, had students take artwork and then modify it. Mm-hmm. And so you would hold your phone up with the app, and you'd see this artwork change with how the students painted or embellished it. Oh, interesting. Looking through your phone. Yeah, I thought that would interest wow. you, Paul. Yeah, that's that's really quite impressive. I mean, uh, augmented reality is something that, uh, similar to, you know, Google Goggles has made a splash, but... Mm. A lot of people have struggled presently to make a, make a really solid case about how it's actually useful, and it's really cool that in this past year there have been a number of applications that have come out that really are quite sweet. And um, mm-hmm. I, I can say that one, and I've, I've meant to mention this for a while, but 
There's an app called Wikitude, and I don't know if you've had a chance to see that, but it, it tries to aggregate search results from multiple location vendors, so like Yelp and Google Maps and Bing, and it tries to aggregate all of those when you hold up the phone to your street view. So rather than just using one of the ser- sources, it uses all of them. and just tries to show you points of interest around you as you move around. Right. And um, I, I haven't really had... I always forget to use these things, and I often feel that it would be really cool to use them when you're traveling, which, again, right. I always forget to do. But there's some really uh, impressive movement made in that direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say I first heard about it two years ago, you know, at an educational conference, and I went and I tried a couple of things, and they were, like, kind of weird or hard to get to work. But this past year was like, oh, these are cool. This is really fun. And, and I, have, you, have you seen the translation apps? No. So that actually ties into what you're talking about, too, to a degree, in that there's a couple of apps now that are hitting the market that you hold up your phone or your whatever it is, your device, to signs. Oh, right, right, right. Oh, translation. Yes, yep. yes. Yep. And so that's augmented mm. reality of another kind, and that's really exciting if you're yes. traveling. Yes. So it scans the characters. Scans the characters and gives you on-the-fly translation wow. of what you're reading. Yeah. Wow. I don't know how well that works. I can't say that I've tested it, so it'd be interesting to see. Right. I think I saw like a video about it a couple of years ago, but I don't, you know, maybe now it really works in some places. Well, very cool. Thanks for the tip, Lee. That's fantastic. That's great information. Are you are you going to buy the iPhone Seven when it comes out, or or iPitch, or any of those really excellent products? You know, I missed the iPitch thing because I was out taking care of my chickens. But mm. the iPhone Seven does intrigue me. It's, it's got to do with negotiations with my husband and when our <laughs> when our contracts expire. Of course, he's staying there. Of course, he's, he'll buy it for me. Um, of course. Yeah. We have that on the air. Yes, he will. Beautiful. Uh, yes. I didn't have to go on the air to get him to say that. Um, <laughs> Thank you, Lee. Oh, thanks. Yep. Good night, guys. Thanks Bye-bye. very much. Bye-bye. Excellent. See, that ties into our, our bunnies and rainbows theme. Yes. These things are helpful and kind and considerate. We don't have to panic people. or No, not all the time. By the way, did I mention that the Internet broke this week? Due to a massive attack on an anti-spam group? No. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, um, Spam House is a large organization that exists to fight spam, Mm -hmm. the scourge of the Internet, if you will. And Spam House recently blacklisted a Internet hosting service known as CyberBunker, which prides itself on being the CyberBunker of the Internet, immune to all law enforcement raids, in fact. And they are in a real bunker as it so happens, which would make sense, I suppose. In and Idaho? Yes. No, no, this is in, 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 in somewhere in Europe. Here's, here's my fuzzy logic going again. You would have, Paul, stop being a journalist. You can't, you, can't, you can't ask these questions all the time. So, no, it's, it's not in North Korea either. Or South Korea. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's, it's a Dutch company. That's what I was looking okay, for. Okay. Yes, it's in Deutschland. <laughs> they have been... Dutch? Dutch. In Holland? Yep. Okay. Not Deutschland. Not Deutschland. Well, th- I can call it Deutschland if I want. <laughs> <laughs> because it is technically Deutschland. Not for a long time. <laughs> well, you're splitting some fine hairs there. <laughs> Perhaps I'm splitting hairs. Regardless, you are making me lose the thread of my narrative here, which is that they were blacklisted because they host everything except for child porn terrorism. Good on them. They host everything else like spam. Bad on them. So they got blacklisted by Spam House and they then unleashed a massive DDoS attack on Spam House, which Spam House just shrugged off being, you know, kind of 
They're kind, impervious. They're kind of tough. So then, then what happened is Spiderbunk turned around and they unleashed an even larger attack, as you might guess. And they exploited a glitch in the internet that actually used the internet against itself. They used DNS servers and they sent a bunch of queries to DNS servers. Do you, do you know what DNS servers? No, you, please, please enlighten. <laughs> I, I wish I had my referee whistle. I kept expecting the referee whistle yeah. to blow, actually. So first of all, DDoS attack, den- distributed denial of service attack. You right. visit something too many times and it goes down. Uh, much like, say, your house at an Easter party. Too many people visit, and they just can't get inside the door. <laughs> Same thing happens with with a website or a company's server. So if a company is prepared, and if an organization or a server is prepared, there are any number of ways of spreading the load, if you will, and not not succumbing to this kind of attack, which has become a really popular form of showing your displeasure on the Internet. Well, a DNS server serves a different function altogether. They serve as the phone book of the Internet. And so if I type in apple.com, the first thing my computer does is it goes to a DNS server and says, I'm looking for apple.com. Where do I find this? And the DNS server says, oh, that's 66.24.55.12 or whatever it is. Because a computer needs a number to go to on the Internet. Mm -hmm. And away my computer goes and it's really happy after that. Well, or DNS, so it thinks. Or so it thinks. True. And actually a very popular spoofing attack is to give you to replace your DNS servers on the computer so it goes to the wrong places. Well, in this case, they exploited a weakness in many DNS servers in that they don't use utilize any tools or any way of checking and tracking who's making a request or for what reason. As similar to the issues we used to have to go used to have with outgoing mail servers. And so every request that they made to a server, the server responded to with a response saying, I can't find this, and it provided a bunch of information as to why. And it didn't do, did not bother to check who was trying to get to where or really where the message was coming from, mm-hmm. and they faked it, and they made it look as though they were actually coming from Spam House. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So they sent out their massive DDoS attack on all the DNS servers on the Internet, who then responded back with a whole flood of messages saying, sorry, can't do this. Wow. That entire flood directed back at Spam House over 300 gigabits of information per second. Well, oh 300 gigabits God. per second is by second, per second by default. But so much so that the routers that make up the backbone of the Internet in parts of the country went down. Not wow. the country, the world. I'm sorry. Parts of England, parts of India, just flat out, no Internet. Broken. Really? For yes. how long? Uh, not very long. Hours. Which is still significant mm. when you're talking about a major hours planetary a infrastructure. Wow. So, yeah, bunnies and rabbits. I forgot, I forgot mm. to mention that. But... Uh, it didn't go down for that long, and so it's possible <clears throat> to argue that the effects have been overblown a little bit. It's still pretty dramatic and exciting to say. I'll say. And Cyberbunker actually, as an organization, has denied any relevance or they have denied any association mm. with this attack. On the flip side, their owner and CEO and fearless leader openly admits to being part of a group dedicated to destroying Spam House for all eternity. So <laughs> it's, it's, it's a little difficult to say which is which. I smell a lawsuit. Well, you can't really sue a bunker. Hmm. That's why you're in a bunker. Because there's no name associated with it. Well, there is, but they're in a bunker. Hmm. I mean, they're in a bunker. You see what I'm getting at? Like, there's just not, there's only so much you can do unless you're willing to borrow a whole bunch of trouble. But but people being in a bunker are liable. They are. And physically, you know, 
uh, hide, but they can't run. <laughs> They're in a bunker. Good point. See, that is the problem with the bunker. Paul has put his finger <laughs> on the pulse of the matter, if you will. And this is true, and that is probably why they bothered to deny it in the first place. Mm-hmm. That being said, they... Um, They'd be fools to admit it. They, yeah, they've run afoul of the law many times before, managed to remain unscathed. Hmm. And it'll be interesting to see where this goes. And, of course, Spam House does not live in Holland. They live in Germany. So international laws make it a slightly hazier affair mm-hmm. than before. You know, Cyberbunker has been sued by the United States government to, to little effect. So we are going to wrap up this show... With with a different segment, we are going. We've always had. We have a, we have a caller. Mike, how much time do we have? You're waving your finger. One minute. One minute. Thank you. I, I'm never used to actually being on time, so I can look at the clock and say, "What? Well, I think that's what he means." I'm not really sure. We would like to place a phone call, Mike. We would like to place a phone call to our most dedicated listener, the best listener we have ever had, and we are going to go ahead and place a call to this number if you would be so kind. Because we 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 tend on passing a baton here. Well, it only it needs to be said that really the most dedicated member oh, there goes the phone. Most dedicated member of our audience is Doug. Doug always calls. Doug always wins the apps. Your call cannot be completed. <laughs> I think that maybe we've failed at technology. Your call cannot be Never mind. I'll try it on the cell phone. <laughs> well, maybe we need to do this at another time. Paul can try it with Siri. He's he's always should doing work. his best. Yeah. Should a lot of things should work. Speak to us. Doug. You can come to Out of a Jam Solutions anytime you need. Oh, it, it does work. Wow. Yeah. Hello, Michael and Paul. Hey there, Doug. You're on the air. I'm on the air. Well, thanks, guys. You're on the air, Doug. You know, you've been such a great caller over time. We had to call you and thank you for everything that you have done for us. And in fact, we feel that you've done such a good job as caller. We kind of figured that maybe you should just. Take over the Take show. Take over the show, would you please? Oh, yeah. No, fine. Okay. Yeah, um, Sweet, because we've had so many issues and technological errors that we just realized we're frauds. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I've okay. kind of been planning this takeover for weeks. So, okay. Uh, <laughs> thanks, thanks a lot, guys. I'm, I'm happy. To You're clairvoyant. Here. Well, it's been nice, everyone. Thanks very much for thanks listening. Thanks for listening. Doug, take us out. Bye-bye. Okay. Uh, see you guys. Um... I hope everybody will tune in next week. Uh, since this is April Fool's Day, I would like to point out at least two facts tonight are true. One was Apple's efforts to be truly and substantially green, and the other is about Apple's efforts to be truly and substantially creepy, in that they'll be able to tell you exactly where you are in a building down the foot. Next week, uh need to take a little time to talk about Google's new app, Google is trying to outperform the popular Run P app used to tell when to go to the bathroom during a movie. <laughs> Google's new app called the Google Go will tell you when to visit the bathroom whenever it's time for you to go. It actually <laughs> just can tell. This appears to be a liberating app. No longer will you have to spend all the time and energy deciding when it's a good time to use the bathroom. Instead, using your phone, Google can read the minute vibrations. It's your body.